It's eerily quiet outside Dr. Matthew Molitor's orthodontics office. Only a few cars and cyclists can be seen passing by. In this past week, the guidelines under which Dr. Molitor can see patients have become increasingly strict. What changed over the weekend and mostly in response to uh, the governor's uh, order um, is that the California Dental Association amended their guidelines, which which now says really it kind of has to be an emergency uh, in order to um, see the patients and in order to um, uh, uh, treat them in the office. So um, now all of our patients, um, including the ones that were going to get braces off on Monday, had to be rescheduled, which is really sad to me because I know those people are really looking for there were several this upcoming week that were getting their braces off and so um, that's a really really tough one uh, if you have your heart set on a particular day you've been waiting for that for maybe a couple years that dates on the books you're looking forward to it and then suddenly it changes so that's one I was really really hoping we would never have to do but unfortunately based on what the governor said we really have no choice and how far out did they have to reschedule well, unfortunately, we're not able to reschedule anybody yet because we just don't know our timeline. But what I'm going to be doing is uh, once we're given the, the green light to start seeing patients again, we already have a kind of a priority list. And I'm hoping that um, we're going to be able to get uh, you know all the staff to work and we can just really see a lot of patients and kind of get caught up. And what's the process for when someone has to come in? Just use the hand sanitizer? Yeah, so first thing in the door is hand sanitizer. A lot of people who have come in have come in with masks. Just kind of, and then of course the distance, you know, keeping the distance if there's a parent. Uh, with the patients, again, we're totally geared up for that, so it's not a big deal, but for, for patients' parents, it's really uh, keeping a distance. I actually saw somebody earlier today who had a, a part of the brace came off and the wire was, um, was uh, pushing into their um, cheek and so they came in I just clipped the wire I didn't replace the brace or do anything major just got them comfortable and uh, and that was it do you have any predictions for when things will get back to normal oh, I wish I did my guess is the very earliest would be March 30th um, realistically probably the um, uh, second week in April would be my guess and that's assuming things go well. Um, the treatment and the wires and the adjustments um, are set to kind of go for a certain amount of time. And if I don't see the patient and I can't make new adjustments or change the adjustments, it actually can send the treatment backwards a little bit. You know, we worry about the, um, uh, the oral hygiene risks because we have these same rubber bands that have been on there for a long time. They trap a lot of food and plaque and it's just not healthy. How do you feel overall through this whole thing? really stressed actually because I just feel terrible for the patients. Um, I, I feel really anxious and eager to keep them, to see them, to keep them on track with their treatment. I feel really bad for the people that are supposed to get their braces off and I'm, I'm here you know basically doing nothing. I would, I would want nothing more than to be able to see them and take care of them and I think it's you know stressful on my whole staff because there's you know they, they, they can't be here and some of them have to kind of take a furlough or take time off. We kind of have to see um, how that goes, you know, they, I th it's, it's not as if they would be uh, literally paid less, but they're hourly employees, so when they work fewer hours, they're getting paid less. But it sounds like there's a lot of things in the, work to, in the works to help them um, through, like, unemployment-type benefits and things like that, even if they only take a couple weeks off. 
there's some things that are being streamlined through State of California, which I think will help them. And of course, I'm doing everything I can to um, uh, to help them out as well. They have a lot of them have vacation and sick. Of course, they have sick leave and all this built up. But if it goes on for a long time, then it becomes kind of a big um, uh, big hardship for everybody. Dr. Julie DeYoung is a pediatric physical therapist at the Children's Therapy Center in Woodland. COVID-19 has changed the center's operations significantly, but Dr. DeYoung does not expect that her patients will experience any detrimental effects. Instead, she even sees the bright side of the situation. Can you describe what exactly your job is? Yes. Uh... It has changed, but prior to last week, my job was kind of twofold. Um, We have pediatric clients come into our clinic to receive therapy, um, and then I was also going out to people's homes and providing therapy within the homes for kids under the age of three who are immunocompromised. Can you explain what immunocompromised is? It means that kids are medically fragile and their immune system, which would help them fight off diseases, viruses, um, is weakened either because they were premature, because they have some underlying medical condition. It could be for a multitude of reasons. Are these kids more prone to coronavirus than other kids? The ones that are immunocompromised, yes. The other ones, not necessarily. What type of work do you do with your patients? Strengthening them, teaching them how to move in a more normal pattern. Um, A lot of it tends to be developmental physical therapy, so I'm teaching the parents how to help their kids. How have the clinic's operations changed now that coronavirus has started? Well, we are now doing teletherapy, (laughs) which is basically providing therapy over Zoom. Is it recording? I don't know. Yes, it is. Hopefully. That means that I sit in my home and they sit in their home and we ask them to have a video on whatever device works for them where we can see the parents and the kids. And then instead of using my hands, which is what I would typically do in the clinic, we are using our words to instruct the parents on how to help the child with the exercise, the movement, whatever we need to do um, to get that child to move in a more typical way. And I also am supplementing with sending Google Docs or Google Sheets with pictures of exercises or instructions on what to do on a weekly basis. And at times I've had to demonstrate kinesio taping using my daughter's hand as the model and through video mom was taping her daughter's hand at the same time as I was taping mine. Facing toward the palm and stick okay. it to her thumb. Okay. okay, hold on. Mama just wants to try something. And okay, it's forced it's little, us to um, become like more thing. verbal communicators rather than just demonstrating with our hands. So there are positives to it, but there are challenges. <laughs> okay, and then like the extra tape comes down ah. on her palm. Okay, yeah. so the kids and their parents' reactions have been positive also? They've been positive. I've been surprised at how receptive the kids have been they're a little confused 
because they want to know why we're not coming to their house. And they've um, a patient asked me last week, why aren't you coming to my house? And I said, well, people are getting sick, so I can't. Uh, and he kept running up to the TV screen where my face was projected, and then I couldn't see him. One therapist had a child lick the camera because he's a speech therapist, and I think they were working with his tongue. And so, you know, they're learning, uh, but the kids, for the most part, I think, are so used to screens that it doesn't feel that weird to them. Um, it probably feels more strange to all the therapists who are providing the therapy. Do you think the steps that they've taken to close the clinic were necessary? I do agree with them. I do. It's a great gathering place and that's why I love working there, but at a time like this I think it is important to social distance. The news has been buzzing all week with stories of emergency rooms overflowing with patients and hospitals running out of masks and other protective equipment. But Dr. Paul Koenig thankfully hasn't seen anything like this happening locally yet. So Dr. Koenig, um, can you first describe to me just what your job is and how you normally operate when not living through a pandemic? Oh, sure. So uh, I am a family practice doc with uh, Sutter in uh, Dixon, actually. So I live in Davis, but I work in Dixon. And two days a week, usually, I see patients in my office in Dixon. And then within our medical group, I have a couple of other jobs where I'm not seeing patients, where I help do some trainings for my colleagues and um, educational activities for my colleagues and that kind of thing. And I do that a couple of days a week as well. That's, that's the non-pandemic version of my job. And how is the pandemic version of your job going? Well, it's been interesting. Um, uh, initially there was a lot of, um, interest from patients about being seen and wanting to get checked for the virus. If they had any kind of symptoms, wanting to find out how they could avoid it, obviously. And since then I would say it's changed and people are really trying to stay out of the office, not wanting to come in. They're definitely aware of the risk of, of, you know, them getting the virus if they're around other sick people. But I think people are starting to recognize also that they don't want to contribute to overwhelming the healthcare system if they don't have symptoms. People are still nervous, but we're trying to shift away from seeing people in the office and seeing people in person to doing more virtual care. And we're trying to iron out the kinks on that. There's a lot of moving parts on, on that kind of shift. And what do you um, mean by virtual care? So virtual care, great question, means seeing people by video, um, like a, you know, almost like a FaceTime type of, of situation, or um, just treating people over the phone. And historically, there have been a few different reasons why that was difficult. Some uh, from a, a privacy standpoint, there's a law called HIPAA, which makes it difficult to use technology to connect with people uh, virtually. And then also some financial things as far as what insurance companies will, will pay for and what they won't. And actually, one of the things that the government has done with this pandemic is they've basically tried to knock down some of those barriers, which is uh, a good thing, I think. So it's going to be a lot easier to see a doctor, your doctor, by video or over the phone than it is, you know, than it has been in the past. What is the atmosphere like right now where you work? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I work in the outpatient setting, so I'm in an office. I'm not, I don't uh, do much work in the hospital. And it's been weird, as it has been for most people. It's just not your average day. And I would say it's been pretty calm, you know. Um, the, the people that work in my office and the other clinicians are worried, but not, it's not a panic type situation. And the patients have been very understanding and appreciative of kind of the disruption to our normal, you know, the normal situation in our office and normal operations. We have postponed some routine visits, you know, physicals and that sort of thing. Um, to try to minimize people's exposure. And a lot of people have canceled their appointments because, again, they've they've not wanted to get exposed. Mm. Um, So it's been, in some ways, quiet. You know, you read, I I read the stories, too, about lack of PPE in certain places where they're really getting overwhelmed with patients like Seattle and New Uh, York. And I would not, I would not um, put us in that situation. You say PPE, that means personal personal protective equipment. equipment. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. So masks, gowns, gloves, and the like. And, you know, everybody is is trying to be wise in how they're using it. I would say that I don't feel like we have had a, a critical shortage or anything like that. We've been pretty well supplied in our office. And on the other side, you don't work in the hospital, but have you heard... Um, have you heard from other colleagues that work at the hospital side that they're struggling right now? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, here locally, um, certainly in Davis, uh, it hasn't been overwhelming. Um, I think in uh, Sacramento, there were a fair number of cases, but it sounds like it's been manageable. I, I think everybody's worried more about what will happen if things spread quickly, that there's the potential to overwhelm the system. I don't think the system has been overwhelmed at this point locally. Um, You know, you read about the the latest surge in cases and hospitalizations in New York in particular in the last couple of days, and that's that's very worrisome. That could certainly happen here. Um, The hospital's been relatively calm. Uh, You know, I've had a couple patients not, not related to coronavirus where I had to send them from my office to the emergency room, and I always call the ER doc and and kind of give them a heads up and they've always sounded pretty calm and you know I've kind of asked how it's going and they're you know they're kind of getting along they're they're also trying to make adjustments in how they uh, do what's called triage on patients triage is kind of sorting out who's more acute needs more urgent attention and Mm -hmm. who's going to have to wait a little bit so they're setting up some you know some patient flows and uh, that sort of thing that'll help with any surge that could come in the future. But to date, I think the system is holding, um, at least locally, but it could very easily be overwhelmed. Well, thank you for doing the work you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, it's very rewarding work. And it's a scary time. And um, however, I think most of us feel like, you know, we really feel a calling right now to be there for our patients and to, to do what we can to take good care of them without putting them at risk and it really does give you a, a sense of purpose and meaning in in our in our daily our daily jobs and interactions with patients when asked about testing availability a Sutter Health spokesperson said quote 
In accordance with CDC guidelines, Sutter is collecting test samples for COVID-19 or influenza in high-risk patients, such as those with current pre-existing conditions or social risks. Sutter needs to preserve test supplies for those populations, and per CDC guidelines, is only collecting tests from patients with symptoms and these risk factors." Unquote. Yolo County suffered its first COVID-19 casualty just this week, and the rate of infection only seems to be increasing nationwide. The best decision, as of now, is to practice social distancing protocol whether or not you are showing symptoms. And stay tuned to the news cycle for further updates. The news cycle is produced by the Blue Devil Hub in collaboration with the Davis Enterprise. Iris Harshaw is the producer. Dahlia Kraus is the assistant producer. Dahlia also contributed to the reporting on this episode. Thank you for listening. See you next time, Davis.